0: Well, yes, as a uh, few people have said, um, my name is Dustin Tisver. Uh, I'm one of the small group leaders, the Tisver small group. Uh, me and my wife, Caitlin, uh, lead that on Monday night. So I'd love to talk to you more about that if that's something that you guys want to get plugged into. Um, there's a lot of small groups, in here, small groups in here, and we'd all be open to new people coming. It's just a really fun time. Um, so Caitlin and I, uh, we do not have kids yet. Uh, but we do have a fun dog. His name is Murray, and we'd love to tell you more about him if you ask us because he's just a lot of fun, Um, but what we are excited about is the changing of weather. As Becca mentioned, we're glad that it's not negative 20, and we're cooped up in a house with a barking dog who can't get any exercise, and we get to go out on long walks and just experience the weather change with him and with each other, and that's just Really helped our sanity. And I imagine that there's a number of you in here with kids that are feeling the same way, that are just eager to burn some energy outside. And that's just really good for all of us. So, um, yeah. So, today, uh, we're going to be skipping ahead even further in Matthew to chapter 26. So, last week, uh, Brandon did a really good job digging into chapter 21. And the reason we're kind of skipping ahead is that we're continuing to keep on the themes leading up to Easter. And so Easter is right around the corner, and we're just digging through Matthew, so we just set ourselves up to really spend some time around that celebration of Easter. Um, So Brandon did such a great job last week. He really laid out um, the coming of Jesus as his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And what he was doing is really just showing the Israelites, that he has come as king, right? That he has kingly rule over them. Um, And what he's doing, kind of leading into this passage, is that he continues to spend time with the people that are closest to him, and he continues to show more and more of himself to them. And they're just continuing to understand at a deeper level who Jesus is and what he came to do. So, that's what we're going to be spending time in this morning in chapter 26. Um, Matthew shows us um, just how much our actions show how much we value Jesus. So, he's going to show how our actions show us just how much we value Jesus. Um, so, this makes me think of an exciting time in my own life, um, and that was the time when I was getting ready to be engaged to Caitlin. So, uh, engagement was really fun, like dating her was really fun, uh, and I got to know her and I just fell in love with who she is because when we spent time together, it became clear to me who Kate was as a person and the things that were most important to her, and I just loved all those things about her. And I quickly began to realize how much I valued and appreciated her. And this caused me to respond. Right? I valued and appreciated her. This caused me to respond. And what that looked like was me going on this massive hunt to find an engagement ring. Right? So this is what an, uh, finding an engagement ring looked like for me. Right? I saved up for years. Even before I knew Caitlin, I was saving up for an engagement ring. Because I was like, you know, someday I'd like to do this. I know it's expensive. Let's we'll just start early. Uh, so I saved up for years. Um, where I lived at the time, any like, good jewelry stores were like, an hour away. So that made it difficult because I was trying to keep my, my, uh, my buying of jewelry a secret from Caitlin, and I didn't want her to know. So I had to travel an hour away, do a lot of work, and what that ended up turning into is that I ended up going down a path of making a custom ring for Caitlin. Um, so I went into the store, I put the salesperson through the ringer, grilling them questions, looking at a bunch of bands, a bunch of diamonds, whatever, um, Never had I sacrificed so much time to do something for someone. And, um, you know, the day came for me to go back. The ring was finished. I went there. I paid for it. I took the ring. I went out to my car, and I opened it up, and I looked at it, and I just looked at it. and I was like, oh, I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. I was so angry. I was like, I spent so much time, so much of my hard-earned money, and I just could not stand the sight of this ring that I was looking at. It was not the one. I was like, this is wrong. It's all wrong. And so I, you know, fast forward, I just, I took it back. I was like, here's my big purchase. I know you went through the ringer with me, but I don't want it anymore. I want a refund. And uh, I ended up calling my mom because I needed help. (laughs) And uh, so I worked with her and I, set aside my pride, and I was like, Mom, I really need some help figuring this out because I can't do it. So I worked with her over the phone. She was going to jewelry stores for me from a distance. It was quite a big thing. But um, what ended up happening was like you know, I was just desperate to get it right, and I finally did. And that was awesome because buying a ring, yeah, it was time-consuming. It was difficult, but it was just so incredibly rewarding at the end because What it did is that my struggle and my sacrifice in getting there just is what communicated how much I valued my relationship with Caitlin. You know, this story really shows a clear example of how my actions show how much I value and love Caitlin. Because I was willing to sacrifice. Like, it didn't matter what it was going to take. I was willing to sacrifice my time I was willing to sacrifice my finances, and I was able to sacrifice awkward moments with a jeweler because that was very awkward. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for spending three hours with me the other day, but actually I don't want it anymore. Um, So, yeah, anyway. (laughs) Um, So, I think this is true for all of us. Our actions show what we value most. In this morning's passage, in chapter twenty-six. Jesus continues by informing his closest followers what is going to happen to him in the coming days. And Matthew takes a look at the responses of three individuals in the story. They're responding to who Jesus is in their lives. But only one of these three people actually understands the correct value of Jesus. There's only one of them that gets it right. Let's pray. Dear Father, I'm just really excited about what you have in store for us in chapter 26 in Matthew. It's just a really powerful story, and um, it's just really relatable to our hearts. So I just ask that you would be the one that would be relating those things to our hearts. Like My words are just words if they just come out of my mouth, but like I know that you are the one that moves them in power and just transforms our hearts in them. And I know you've been transforming my heart through this, and I just ask that that would come out. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really thankful for this opportunity to uh, share your word with this church that I love. And, um, yeah, I'm just really thankful for you, God. Amen. So let's read our passage. So we're going to be in Matthew 26, 1 through 16. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured out on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then, one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, was, or went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So we see three people in this passage. We see the disciples in the way that they respond to Jesus. We see Judas in the way that he responds to Jesus. And we see um, this woman, right? And what we see their actions kind of show us is the disciples miss out, Judas sells out, and the woman pours out. Okay, So the disciples miss out, Judas sells out, and the woman pours out. Matthew is pointing us to the truth in this passage that our sacrificial king is worth our sacrificial worship. Our sacrificial king is worth our sacrificial worship. And if we truly understand the costly love of our king, our response will result in costly worship. So, kind of the middle section of, here, of, the, of the passage, verses 7 through 11. We read about this interaction between the disciples, the woman, and Jesus. And in verse 8, we first see the disciples witness the woman pouring this expensive oil onto the head of Jesus. See, what this oil was, it was a very special oil. It was called pure nard, which was most likely a family heirloom of immense value. Pure nard was a special perfume oil, and it was intended for solemn acts of devotion. So there's a number of common perfumes that would have been used during this time, and those perfumes might have been used to anoint guests. Like that was something that happened on occasion. Um, but this perfume was not one of those common perfumes because this, this perfume was valued at 300 denarii. So what 300 denarii is, like this would have been approximately a year's wages of a laborer at that time. Okay, So just in the back of your head, like a year's wages for you, that is what she is pouring out onto Jesus. Verse 8 says, When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. I mean, they're not wrong, right? I mean, this was an incredible value thing. She was just dumping out, basically, is how they saw it. Well, that's A year's worth of wages, why don't we sell it? And, man, they could have made a massive impact for the poor in their community, right? They could have met a lot of needs with that oil. But the problem is they must be missing something because Jesus responds to them in a way that basically says, you're kind of missing the point, what Jesus says in verse 10 is why are you bothering this woman she has done a beautiful thing to me the poor you will always have with you but you will not always have me see the disciples didn't get it they were they had good intentions they knew I mean they were wanting to serve people around them but what Jesus was trying to tell them in this moment is don't miss out on me Don't miss out on me. The poor will always be around, but I won't. Because the disciples were in the room at the beginning of this passage. They were in the room when he said, they're coming for me. The Passover is two days away, and I will be handed over to be crucified. They heard that. See, what Jesus is telling them is, my time is up. I'm not going to be with you much longer. And what the actions of the disciples reveal is, they miss out on worshiping Jesus. They miss out on the true value of what he is worth. Because the actions of the disciples reveal is that they simply see Jesus as the beginning, but not the end. They see Jesus as the beginning of something new, but they don't see him as the end. They see Jesus as like some new things, right? He sees, they see them as to love others more than themselves. The last shall be first. The least should be made great. These are all new things, new lines of thinking. You see, to the disciples... Jesus was a movement. He was a new way of life. He was the beginning of something new. But what Jesus wasn't to them, he was not their goal. He was not what they treasured most. He was not the thing they valued most in this passage. The actions of the disciples reveal they miss out as Jesus as their prize. So let's continue in our passage and take a look at Judas. Then, one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. So in verse 14, it um, calls Judas one of the twelve So we know by this is that he is a part of the group. He's a part of those those men that are closest to Jesus. And he was close to all of them. He was close to the disciples and he was close to Jesus. He was trusted by them. There are actually other accounts of this story in other places of the Bible. And uh, one of those places is in John chapter 12. Um, In that account, he just gives us a few other details that this passage doesn't get, but I just felt like it was helpful just to understand Judas a little bit better. Because in that passage in John 12, um, it says, we find out that Judas was the keeper of the money bag. He was their treasurer. He was the group's finance guy, and he helped take care of the money and the payments and all of that stuff. So in verse 15... Judas asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. At that time, this amount of money matched the penalty an owner would pay, an owner of an animal would pay if that animal killed a slave. Okay? So basically, what that is is like, that's the payment that. You know, it's what a slave's life is worth at that time. And for perspective, that would be about four months. Four months' wages. So, just in the back of your mind, four months' wages is what 30 pieces of silver would be. Verse 16. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. See, this act of betraying Jesus is not just something that just all of a sudden happened. It wasn't just a, oh, like, all right, here's Jesus. No, it was a very much a premeditated act. He sat with this this decision. He was with the group that he was close to for so long, and he was waiting to hand him over, acting out a lie in front of his friends, looking for that opportunity to get out while he could. He wanted to get out and take his payout and just get out of there. He was living a lie, looking for an opportunity to sell out. So we must ask, what do the actions of Judas reveal about how he values Jesus? John 12 tells us that Judas is the keeper of the money bag, but he also tells us that Judas was a thief. So he would take from that money bag to use for himself and he wouldn't use it for the whole group. He would steal from the group's treasure. What these actions tell us about Judas is that he was a lover of money. It's also likely that these actions tell us that Jesus was turning out to be someone that Judas didn't want him to be. Because... Judas fell into the camp of Jesus being this conquering king. He was the Messiah that was going to come to free the Israelites, to to take over the rule of Rome and to set the captives free. And Judas wanted to be there when that happened because that meant Judas would be right on the right-hand side of Jesus and he would climb with Jesus to the top. Because Judas saw Jesus... As his way to greatness, he saw his way. He saw him as his way to wealth, as his way to influence, and his way to success. But when Jesus began to, or when Judas began to find out who Jesus really was, when he found out that Jesus was going to be killed, this completely unraveled his plans and his aspirations to be who he wanted to be. And so what he did was he went and squeezed out every last little bit of value that he could out of his relationship with Jesus. And he does that by betraying him. See, the heart level problem for Judas was taught by Jesus earlier in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, Judas seems to understand a part of what's going on that even the disciples were kind of just missing out on. Because what Judas understands is that Jesus is going to die. He understands that. But with the death of Jesus, Judas does not see the death of his Savior, but rather Judas sees the death of his plan to riches and to affluence. Jesus was simply a means to an end for him to get to where he was going. He was not the goal. This is why Judas sells out. Because Jesus was now worthless to him. Where he thought Jesus was taking him, he was no longer going. And now Jesus became worthless. So he took the 30 pieces of silver and he ran. But there's a third character in this story. And that character is the woman, okay? What is it that makes the actions of the woman such a beautiful thing to Jesus? And what is it that her actions reveal about how she values Jesus? So these are the things we know about the woman. She comes prepared to offer a lavish gift to Jesus with her expensive perfume. That's what she comes prepared to do. The woman pours out the entire jar onto the woman. So if we know anything about the alabaster jar and that type of perfume, like it's not something that you could unseal and then seal back up for later. Like it was a one-time use. It was like an exquisite bottle of wine, right? You uncork it and it's a one-time use. So she poured out the whole thing. She worships Jesus in this way, the whole time making a large sacrifice. So it's very clear the financial sacrifice that this woman is making. A year's wages of something that valuable she just pours out onto Jesus. But what she's also sacrificing is just comfort in terms of risking the fact that she would be misunderstood by the friends and the people around her in the room because that just would have seemed foolish. But while the disciples maybe do give her a hard time, Jesus stands in her defense. And he praises her for what she's done. And not only that, but she, he actually gives her a blessing and a promise. It's in verses 13 and 14, it says, When she poured out this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's amazing. Like, Jesus stood in front of these people and made a promise that, like, her story is going to be told alongside my story. Like, that is going to be something that is told for years and years to come. Like, it's a story I'm telling all of you right now. That's pretty cool. So, what the woman's actions reveal is she, like Judas, understands that Jesus is going to die soon. Like those, that verse tells us, she's preparing me for burial. So she understands that Jesus is going to die soon. However, where the disciples see Jesus as the beginning of something new, but not the end, and where Judas sees Jesus as the means to an end, you see Mary... This woman, she sees Jesus as her beginning and her end. She sees Jesus as her beginning and her end. She sees Jesus as her ultimate treasure with limitless value. He is her prize to be won, the thing that she is after. This is why she empties the perfume onto Jesus' head. Because she doesn't just see that Jesus is about to die. She sees that Jesus is about to die for her. She doesn't just see that Jesus is about to die. She sees that Jesus is about to die for her. This truth causes her to respond. She responds with this lavish gift. Because the gift was worth nothing to her in comparison to the value of the gift Jesus was offering her. What Jesus offers her is himself. Himself poured out for her on the cross. So she cannot help but pour out herself back onto him. So, Matthew gives us this morning three responses we can have to show how much we value Jesus. We can either miss out like the disciples, we can sell out like Judas, or we can pour out like this woman. Man. I so badly want to be a person who pours myself out onto Jesus like this woman. But as I look deeper at my heart and as God has been kind of teaching me and as I've studied is man, my actions tell me I am a lot more like Judas and the disciples than I care to admit. We are much more like Judas and the disciples than we care to admit. Just think about it. What do your actions tell you that you are lovers of? Are we lovers of money? Are we lovers of our career? Are we lovers of our independence? Or Maybe we're lovers of our, like, that next new experience, that next new thing because that's really where I find myself far too often, is that 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 next experience, that next life stage, that next goal that I have, right, that is something that will satisfy me. Once I achieve this, once I can do this, then I will be satisfied. I will finally reach what I've been looking for. I trick myself because... If I, was with, if, I, if I didn't have Jesus, I would totally go all in on just spending all of my money on the things that I enjoy. Like I, would, I love my hobbies. I love my experiences. I love my golf, my skiing, whether it be water or snow. I love um, my boat. I love getting out in the water. I love vacations. I love new experiences. I would be all in just investing into those things because that is what I feel like would ultimately satisfy me. But like the disciples, I completely miss out. I don't fully understand the true value of Jesus. And I'm just spinning, trying to distract myself, looking for something else. Far too many of us live our lives thinking we're our own person. We want our independence. We want just to pursue our passions, our desires. We live in the moment thinking that we are mastering the things we love. You know, we're, we're just gaining mastery over those things. But the reality is we are mastered by the things we love. And we can only serve one master. We can only love one master. Like Judas, we get stuck thinking Jesus is just a means to an end. We go to church. We sing the songs. We enjoy the community of the people around us. We like what Jesus has to offer us on the surface, right? Man, I really like that he offers moral standards of living. I really like... Being around loving and caring people—that's really, really nice. We like that going to church makes us feel like we're on the right path, and that we're, you know, that we're going to we're making good decisions with our life. But when we dig deeper, it comes. When we dig deeper, and it comes to following Jesus into His death, we sell out like Judas. This is what our actions are saying. Jesus, I like what you stand for as long as I don't have to stand for you. Jesus, I like talking with you like you're my friend. I just don't want to talk to my friends about you. Jesus, I like listening to your words of life. I'm just not ready to submit my life to your words. Friends, we are missing out because Jesus means everything. Jesus is worth everything. We think having a relationship with Jesus is too costly. But Listen to this quote by Tim Keller. Relationships are costly. Whatever it will cost you to be with God is nothing compared to what it costs God to be with you. Whatever it will cost you to be with God is nothing compared to what it cost God to be with you. See, Jesus knowingly gave up everything. He gave us his entire self. He became nothing to give us everything. He took our humanity when he deserves divinity, earth when he deserves heaven, poverty when he deserves riches, rejection when he deserves love. He took death when he deserves life. Because when we valued Jesus as worth nothing, he valued us as worth everything. And when our love for our sin, when our love for those things that we value most is replaced by our love for our sacrificial king, we are humbled to worship him. We are humbled to approach him as we are. We count our lives worth nothing in comparison to the endless worth of our king. We no longer ignore his death, but we rather live in light of his death. We can't help but respond by pouring out all that we treasure most. We pour it out onto him who has already poured out his blood to give us The greatest treasure, himself, seated on the throne of our lives. So, how will your actions reveal the way you value Jesus? What sacrifice do you need to pour out onto the head of Jesus? Is it money? Career, relationships. Think, what are you a lover of? And ask God to come and transform those desires into sacrificial worship. Because, yeah, God can wipe our slate clean and He does that. But He doesn't just completely change all your desires and longings. Like He created you for purposes and He gave you desires. But what he's in the business of doing is transforming desires for his kingdom purposes, not for your purposes. So maybe money is something that you have been keeping for yourself. Maybe you have been spending all of your money on things that you desire. Maybe you've just been stockpiling it and storing it away for a rainy day. But maybe God is now asking you, he's challenging you to give him some of your finances to use for kingdom purposes, for his purposes. When it comes to career, I have a little bit of experience, I guess, with God challenging me in my career. And um, you know, I'm early in my career. I'm not, you know, I'm probably about six years in. But um, you know, starting out, um, I started with a company down in Murray, Kentucky, and I just really felt valued there. You know, they wanted me there. It felt like they were investing in me heavily. I had trainings. I had people that were looking out for me. I had a career path. You know, I had leadership potential, and they were grooming me to be a leader of a team. That seemed really great. Like, it was a young career. Like, that was where I wanted to be. And, you know, what happened was, like, God started, like, working in my heart and asking me to do something completely different. And uh, he was asking me to move to a different town and to join him in building his kingdom there. And so, what I had to do is, I had to pour that out and lay that down because, man. My career ultimately is worth nothing in comparison to him. And so Jesus might be asking you guys the same thing, like, man, you live your life trying to make the most of your career, trying to make a name for yourself. And you're living in your career to serve your purposes. But what God might be challenging you is, well, why don't you live in your career for my purposes? Work hard, achieve, yes, but do it in a way that honors me. And I will free you to be an example and a representative for me at your workplace. And I want you to join me in sharing me with your coworkers. Relationships. I feel like I've been hearing a lot about relationships. Brandon talked about his relationship with a girlfriend, and I think Dawson mentioned just relationships, you know, and if there's something that we go all in on. I mean, I mentioned at the beginning of my sermon, I was all in my relationship with Caitlin. I am all in my relationship with her, but, like, Caitlin isn't Jesus, you know? Our significant other isn't Jesus. And if we put them up there, man, we're going to put an immense amount of weight on their shoulders and they are going to let us down. What Jesus is asking us is, put me at the proper place. Let me be the king on the throne of your life. So, what is it that makes the woman's gift so beautiful? Jesus. Jesus. He made it beautiful. It wasn't her. It wasn't just the fact she was willing to do it that made it beautiful. It was Jesus himself that made it beautiful. Because if Jesus was not who he said he was then her gift would have looked foolish. If he didn't die for her and he didn't conquer death then she would have just poured this oil on someone who ultimately died and didn't matter. But Jesus made it beautiful when he followed through. It's because Jesus not only died for the woman, he died for all of us. It is because he conquered death in that moment that he makes her sacrifice beautiful. It is this truth. It is Jesus himself who makes the woman's sacrifice beautiful. And it's Jesus who makes our sacrifices beautiful. It's him who makes our sacrifices worth it. So during the next few songs, we're going to have an opportunity to take communion. This is such an amazing opportunity because we are literally going back there and focusing in on the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Jesus poured his blood out for us on the cross. He literally broke his body for us. He gave us all of him. So as you take communion, you don't need to be a member here at River City Church. Like All you need to do is belong to Jesus. Is he the one that is seated on the throne of your life? Is he the one? the one that you treasure most. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, no, he's not. I want him to be. This is your time. Maybe you need to talk to someone and figure out what it means to surrender your life to him. Maybe you need to pray and just ask him to be that person for you. There's other of us in this room that we belong to Jesus. But man, we've been distracted like the disciples. We are missing out on the true value and worth of our king, and we need him to be reminding us what he is worth. Because when we value him as worth everything, then the things that we distract ourselves with, we can just lay down at his feet. And so that's what we can do in communion. It's what are those things that we're lovers of, and let's lay those things down in remembrance of him, for him, is a response to who he is. Because Jesus wants you to pour out your sacrificial worship onto him. Because our sacrificial king is worth our sacrificial worship. Let's pray. Dear Father, I'm so thankful for just the gift of you, that you poured yourself out for us. I'm so thankful that we don't have to like measure up to this unachievable standard that you set, but rather you've measured up for us. And I'm so thankful for the story of this woman and the way that she just shows that you're worth it. And the way that you are the one that works in our hearts to transform our hearts, to be able to lay down the things that we treasure most and to replace those things with you who's worth everything. So as we worship this morning, I just ask that you would be guiding our lives and our hearts to um, just sit in that and to wrestle with that and to um, ask you to correct those things in our lives because you're worth it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.